Okay, we have a Bible study that is all about determination and patience. Which one do you have more of, Angela? Oh, definitely determination. (laughs) (laughs) We all know this. (laughs) Can think of a former school teacher right now who could be listening and he would definitely be laughing right now because determination. Yes, he has a story about me when I was in fifth grade about how determined I was to win. <laughs> okay, and what was your school teacher's name? Uh, Mr. Tom Coffee. Mr. Tom, let me Wait, just write this down. Why are you taking Coffee. <laughs> and do you have a phone number? No, by no, because he has more stories to share that we do not need to share. <laughs> no, I think we do need to share these. I vote we share Angela's stories. Who else votes with me that we share Angela's stories? All I right, think that, that she's um, a work in progress and will not Tom grow Coffee. weary and doing good. <laughs> so if I do a quick search on uh, Facebook, I I should have some friends in common, right? <laughs> I can find the correct Tom Coffee. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe, but you know. And uh, interview for the day tomorrow. <laughs> oh mercy! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Angela is somebody who has more determined than patience. All right, let me ask you this question: Are these two determination and patience kind of opposites that fight against each other? Um. Yeah, because, well, oh man, that's a trick question. It depends, right? Because there are times that I have to be determined and in order to see my end goal to come to fruition, fruition, then I would have to have patience. But there's other times where I'm just so determined that I don't think about, you know, being patient and letting things play out in a nice way. <laughs> and just push through. Yes, exactly. Angela so style. Two, oh, whoa, whoa. We don't have to <laughs> okay, nah, I'm being this... humbled. It was your turn yesterday, and now it's my turn. <laughs> See, this is this is what happens on radio. I you, get exposed. You, I, I, I get to. I get to. Uh, I, I get revenge. It's called uh, revenge the next day. No, this is a really good subject because often these can be issues that fight against each other because our determination can overcome our patience. And one of the keys to raising children, in fact, uh, research has showed that, shown that the greatest key to raising children is to be able to instill in, a ch- in, in children the ability to deal with um, instant gratification. Oh, that's a good one. And so you can predict whether a child will succeed in life or not based on whether they have been able to master... Um, Instant gratification and be able to not fall for the trap of instant gratification. And if you are dealing with somebody who is always focused on instant gratification, they are never going to succeed in life. And unfortunately, the world that we have today with society, we live on instant gratification. Yeah, that's the, that's the whole basis of our society. That's why we have credit cards and so forth is so that we can have instant gratification. Whereas when we talk about determination and patience, so determination mean, can be... I'm determined to do this and I'm so determined I'm not going to wait for it. And so determination can fight against patience. But when you master instant gratification, determination means that you are prepared to play the long game. And if you can master playing the long game, you will succeed. If you can look at the big picture and you can understand that you know God has a plan for your life and you're not going to get everything today and that if you want to get 
what if you want to achieve what you want to achieve then it's going to take time and it's going to take process and you're going to take lots of knocks along the way and you're going to have to get back up again then determination and patience actually become your two greatest allies and they work together to bring you success that's incredible. Yes, it is the working of the two together. Yes, yeah, so as a school teacher, this whole thing of instant gratification. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. How does that work? Well, you know, um, I have taught elementary school. I guess you guys call it primary over here. And I've taught high school. And I actually compare the two um, to instant and delayed gratification. Because when I teach little ones, um, I am instantly gratified all the time. They hug you, they kiss you, they give you little cards and notes, and they just love on you. And they're so thankful and they love their little teacher, right? I must have been a horror student. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember ever giving my teacher a card. (laughs) Oh, my little ones, I love them dearly and then I taught high school students for three years and you better believe I didn't get (laughs) daily cards or daily hugs Um, but later on um, I have gotten some pretty awesome emails and notes and so even working with different age groups and understanding um, where the stage is in and I think that that's important application to apply to life and the fact that some things are instantly gratifying and it's not wrong to be instantly filled with a good feeling of joy or satisfaction But there are other times that you have to be patient and understand that it could be delayed. So, for example, I'm teaching a little first grader how to read. There might be times and the words are just clicking and he's reading right away. Or it might take several months where all of a sudden the concept just clicks. Or he might be dyslexic and it's going to take him three or four years. Or a lifetime and still never feel like he's a very good reader, unfortunately. Yeah, Mm. definitely. And so it's understanding that in different personalities and different, like we all have different gifts and some things are going to come to us instantly and they get the satisfaction of instant gratification. There are some things that I'm going to have to work at in school and yes, it will take me a long time, but I'll get delayed gratification and I might appreciate the skill that I've learned in a deeper way than somebody who got it instantly right away. Okay, so instant gratification in of itself is not bad. No. But instant gratification being in control of your life will destroy you. Definitely. Do you see that in the classroom? Do you see two classes of children, ones that have been trained to uh, master instant gratification and others that have had no training at all and so therefore just live based on instant gratification? So when I taught little ones, they're very moldable. And to be honest, I created a culture in the classroom that they quickly jumped right on. But in the high school, no, you can see it right away. You can definitely see the marks of those who were taught to wait or those who just are going to be arguing with me to find the easiest way possible to accomplish the task that I've assigned. Yeah, I'm just sort of thinking back on my uh, school years, which there wasn't very many of, but... Do you have fond feelings towards your teacher? Be careful because, you know... I uh, <laughs> I think I was a t- I'm, I'm feeling very guilty right now. I but you know, it's never too terrible. late to thank a teacher. Teachers do a lot. Teachers are kind of the pillars pillars of your society. Not trying to toot my own horn or anything, but I appreciate my teachers very much. I actually found one of my old report cards from Year Seven mm-hmm. yesterday. Oh, look at it! It was meant to be. There's something that you're supposed to do with that report card. There's an sir. F in it. Well, maybe it was deserved. <laughs> <laughs> I actually worked really hard to get that F. <laughs> That's the bad part oh, of it. Shame. It is. I'm very shameful of that. Um, <clears throat> that was that was in um, that was in music, which was just yeah, was not going to happen. Unfortunately. Anyway, let's go to our Bible uh, verse for today, Galatians. Because I think if I keep talking about school, I'm just going to dig myself into a deeper and deeper and deeper hole. 
And uh, yeah, I have I have managed to by sleight of hand get the name of Angela's school teacher. <laughs> there is no way I'm going to give any of the names of my school teachers <laughs> because right. I know what they would say. All right, Galatians chapter six and verse nine. Um, very simple verse right here. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap it if we do not lose heart. Okay. The Bible says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, in doing good. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. How do we take these principles, and of course, in this passage right here, Paul is not specifically talking about, dealing, well, he's not talking about dealing with difficult Bible passages at all, but he's talking about the, um, the principle of patience in good things. And understanding difficult Bible passages can sometimes involve patience in good things. So we're going to take it from that verse and we're going to now bring it across and apply it to uh, understanding difficult Bible passages. What is the relationship between the two? How does, how does patience and determination help us to understand how we deal with difficult Bible passages. Well, for me personally, there's no way I can read this verse without um, also reading 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, Therefore, my brethren, beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I think that parallels excellently with this text and the fact that you do not grow weary in doing good, and you are choosing to be steadfast, immovable, immovable always abounding in the work of the lord which is determination and patience and so how that connects to figuring out difficult passages i think is also that big picture and the fact that if i want a relationship with my brother and if i want to be really close with my brother i'm not going to develop a relationship in one conversation it's going to take many conversations great memories being made together um, over many years that create a bond between us that is incredibly beautiful, right? And so the same thing with God. If I just jump in with my relationship with God and try to just specifically go to all the difficult passages, be like, I'm going to base my relationship on God once these are all solved, nothing works like that in life. You can't just go, okay, my brother and I, we fought over who got to sit next to mom and dad at the dinner table. If we just always talk about that. Good luck with the relationship, right? It's making those <laughs> new memories together and forming That's new That's a good thing to be fighting over, really. If you're going to fight over something, fighting over who loves your parents the most is not the worst thing in the world to be fighting over. Well, that was definitely one of the more positive examples. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Um, yeah, well... <clears throat> Mm, I won't talk about the things that we used to fight over when we were kids. But yeah, I think that, um, okay, so getting back to what we're talking about then, what you're illustrating is that if we give up at the first difficult passage we come across, we haven't given it a fair chance. If I gave up on my wife the first time that we had a fight, then we would never have had a relationship. But because it was worthwhile to work through those issues, we have a relationship. Yes. And a more beautiful relationship because, I would dare say, of the things that you work through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, I really like that. Um, what, what I want to do is to look at an example now of a biblical, a biblical example of somebody who found a difficult passage of Scripture. And... 
really struggled to understand it. Let, let me ask you this question maybe. When you found a difficult passage of the Bible, what's the longest time period that you've ever gone before you've actually figured it out? Um, I don't want to expose my age on live radio, but um, I would say that... You still got, okay, so you're going to say you've still got some questions you haven't, haven't Definitely. Several, many, many, many questions um, that I have unsatisfied answers for, but that's not even hurting my faith one iota. There's okay. enough other pillars in my life that he has given me that I can have the patience. And by the way, to hang on. if I was your age, I would definitely be exposing my age on, <laughs> on air. <laughs> I wish I was still young, but anyway. Um, the uh, okay, so that's that, that's interesting. That's interesting because I guess I'm the kind of person who I mean, you posed a difficult question here the other day that I didn't know the answer to, and it. Ate at my soul until I resolved it. Um, and so I'm the kind of person who tends to, when I'm faced with it, I don't really sleep well until it's sorted. And so I guess from my experience, I, don't, I can't think of any difficult passages in the Bible that have taken me more than a day or two. Well, that's also because you have the background to study it. And I, the Lord is taking you on an incredible journey to understand my Bible more and more fully. But there is no way that I can that might be the ca- answer okay, some so of my questions. It, it might be the case that I've got the background to understand. It might also be the case that I'm just not thinking at the depth of the, the depth that other people are. It's just like, yeah, Lyle's a very simple person. He only simp- thinks of simple things. And so, therefore, his um, issues aren't that hard to... Uh, deal with and solve. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to go to the book of Daniel. Um, no surprise there. You all know I love the book of Daniel. And we're going to go to Daniel chapter 8 and verse 1. Daniel 8 and verse 1. Because I think sometimes when we come across a difficult passage and it takes us a significant amount of time to resolve that difficulty, then our lack of patience starts to kick in I think for many people what happens is that they will throw the Bible out before they give the Bible a fair chance to answer that challenging question. Um, So Daniel 8 verse 1, could you read that one for us please? In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time. Okay, how long did Belshazzar reign for? This is third year out of how many? See, I know you know the answer to this because you did two classes in the book of Daniel recently. Okay, so the answer is that it depends how you calculate Belshazzar's reign. Exactly. Um, Most people would calculate his reign as being 13 years. A minority calculate his reign as being three years. And another minority calculate his reign as being 17 years. So those are your options. So let's run with the majority one. Okay. That's 13 years. Uh, Who comes to the throne after Belshazzar? Darius. Yes, Darius or Darius. The Mede, not the great, the Mede. And uh, the Bible says that, well... Chapter 9, verse 1. Let's go to chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, <laughs> of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. 
We've got here potentially most likely about a 10-year gap between these two verses. Okay. And between these two verses, we have a passage of Scripture that for Daniel is impossible to understand. And I actually question whether he ever really did understand the full depth of this passage. Okay, so you go through Daniel chapter 8, and I'll summarize this very quickly because this is territory that we have covered before. Daniel has a vision. In this vision, he sees a ram followed by a goat with one horn. The one horn is broken off. Four horns replace it. Then out of one of those four horns comes a little horn that gets very big. And then there is a time period where the Bible says, under 2,300 days in verse 14, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Which sounds devastating to Daniel. Does that mean we're in captivity for that long? Or is that many events going to happen in that short period of time? Absolutely. So if you take 2,300 days as being literal days, you've got a very, very short period in which you're going to have... um, the rise and fall of Medo-Persia, the rise and fall of Greece, the rise and fall of Imperial Rome, um, and the Antichrist all coming within those few short years. That would be devastating. Alternatively, you've got somebody who's been praying for the restoration of the temple, which is in ruins in Jerusalem. So alternatively, it's going to be 2,300 years until that temple is rebuilt again. And this is somebody who opens his window Every day. And has an understanding of 70 years. Three times a day. Actually doesn't have the understanding yet. Oh, you're right. You're right. We're coming to that. We're coming to that. Okay, so he doesn't understand that yet, but he is opening his window and praying towards Jerusalem three times a day for that temple to be restored and to be rebuilt. And he gets this prophecy, 2,300 days, and it's going to be restored. Okay, that could be good news, or that could be... You know, in one hand, because like that's not that far away if it's literal time, but it's devastating news if you think of what is going to take place in the interim because the great persecuting power of God's people is going to exist during that time period. Okay, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this 10-year gap and the problem it creates. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, we are talking about determination and patience. We're looking at Daniel. Okay, so Daniel's getting this prophecy. And in this prophecy, he has a goat. He has a, sorry, a ram, a goat, four horns, a little horn, and a time period. Yes. And then the angel Gabriel comes to explain to Daniel everything about the prophecy. So that's good. So you've, you've, you've had a vision. It's like, what's this vision about? You've got all kinds of questions. Gabriel turns up and Gabriel is going to give him instant gratification. And Gabriel explains, Gabriel explains exactly who the goat is, Mm -hmm. sorry, who the ram is, who the two horns are, who the goat is, who the great horn is, who the four horns are, who the little horn is, how long the prophecy is, and what happens at the end. So that's instant gratification, right? That's true. And then Daniel faints. And he's sick for certain days, and the Bible says that he can't understand the vision. So why can't he understand the vision? I think because of the the time period. Okay, the time period is the confusing one, yes. All right, so with the time period... also the fact that there's someone that seems to be resembling Christ. Okay, yes. Let's come back to the time period. What's the starting point for that? Oh, you're really going to put me on the spot here. Ah, Okay, in Daniel chapter (gasps) 8... 
Where does the Bible give you a starting point? Let me give you a clue. Yes. It doesn't. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, I so had what notes in front of me for yeah, yeah, all yeah, my yeah. studying. <laughs> no, no, I put Angela on the spot this morning. <laughs> Big time. All right, so let's, um, let's, let's think about this for a moment. What is the use? What use does a time prophecy have without, start, without a start date? None. None. It's, it's, it's meaningless. Mm-hmm. And what God has done is he's got, given this very, very detailed prophecy. It's like giving like a super, super... Do you ever do jigsaw puzzles? I love puzzles. Ah, we just did a jigsaw puzzle at our place and it was the most mind-bending jigsaw puzzle that I'm going to have to give you a gift of a jigsaw puzzle. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, not that one. (laughs) (laughs) Because all the pieces are the same shape. Not the same shape, but there's only one style of shape because most puzzles have like four different styles of shape or whatever and this only has one style of shape. And it's just like, (laughs) and uh, it took us... The whole of stage three lockdown to do that puzzle. So you had to have determination and patience, didn't you? Determination and patience. My wife exhibited great determination and patience and I exhibited, yeah, very little. Do not grow weary in doing good. (laughs) (laughs) I think the longest I ever stuck at it was for about an hour and... And, and she was doing it on, on, on Sabbath afternoons or Saturday afternoons and she would stick at it for, you know, three or four hours and I was just like doing my head in. But but she had a goal in mind and she could see the end point, which I think is definitely what Daniel is struggling with right now, right? Because he doesn't have an end point in view anymore and I think that's why it's such difficult passage for him and that's why he's sick. Now, how have you ever done a puzzle? You, you love puzzles. Have you ever done one? Got to the end and there's one piece missing. Um, yes. Okay, what did that do to your head? Um, I looked under the couch. I asked my brother. <laughs> very frustrating. This is like super frustrating, right? Okay, and this is what's happening in Daniel chapter 8. Gabriel has given this prophecy. He's left out one piece of the puzzle. It's incredibly detailed prophecy, incredibly detailed puzzle. All of the pieces fit together perfectly and he's left out one detail. And that's but, the starting date. Mm-hmm. It's all there. In fact, he says, unto 2,300 days. Now, in the correct way to use language, you'd say, from this point unto this point. And he's left off the from. Mm -hmm. There's no from here. He's left off the from and he's just gone, unto. What what is that even supposed to mean? And you can see that, you know, you've got Daniel here. He knows exactly who the... The ram is exactly who the goat is, exactly who the horn is, the four horns, all of the detail, the little horn. He knows exactly who they all are, but he has no start date for the prophecy. And so what does he do? Okay, this is, this is, this is very interesting because he does not give up on this exactly. for 10 years. At least. Yeah. At least, at least 10 years. And so for me right there, that's a massive lesson. Mm-hmm. in determination and patience. But then something happens. Uh, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1. If you could read that one for us again, please. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Okay. First year of Ahasuerus. So we're going, uh, mm-hmm. according to the majority historians, 10 years down the track. Um, and a minority would be further than 10 years down the track or... The next year, but either which way, it's a it's a significant amount of time. It's not the next day. Mm-hmm. It's not the next week. It's a significant amount of time later. We'll go with ten years. 
Um, we have Darius comes to power, and when Darius comes to power, Daniel comes into the possession of something. Let's read about it in the next verse. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years and the desolations of Jerusalem. Why do you think that Daniel did not discover this earlier? Because he didn't have a pivotal reason to, to study with earnest desire. I'm going to throw out a. I'm going to throw out an alter, a different, an alternative speculation. Okay. Because we're, the reality is we're both speculating. Yes, this is true. So let me speculate a different direction. Jeremiah lives in Egypt. Yes. That's a long way from Babylon. He is a contemporary of Daniel, but he's much, much older than Daniel. Yes. Egypt and Babylon are rivals. They're kind of like rival superpowers. Babylon is is jammed between the Medes to the north and the Egyptians to the south. And the Babylonians would love to... They'd love to actually conquer Egypt, but that doesn't actually ever happen. (laughs) So if you're living in Egypt and you are living amongst a group of Jewish mercenaries in southern Egypt on the Upper Nile... It always talks, feels strange to talk about southern Egypt on the Upper Nile, but it's a river that flows backwards. That it works. Um, how easy is it for a copy of your book to end up in Babylon? Now, this is before the age of printing. So how many copies of the book of Jeremiah are there that actually exist? And why would Jeremiah make multiple copies in the first place? So when I start to put all that together, I'm like, yeah, I reckon that he just got a copy of the book of Jeremiah. and This is the first opportunity he's had to study it. That's my speculation. Possible. Either which way. They're both possible and they're both plausible. I will stand by mine to the death as being right. No, I won't. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. we don't know. Because um, we know that in Jeremiah 29, you know, for Jeremiah chapter 29, that there was a letter sent to the captives that they received. Ooh, so there is good point. some way of communication. There so is I communication. I have to say that I Ooh, might disagree with you. Yes. Oh, I like that. That's a good point right there. So you can see that there was communication possible doing. So I really honestly believe it's because of the fact that there's a deep desire. And as we have deep desires in us, the determination is stronger and the patience when we see the end goal. And you know that Daniel is desperate to know how long till my people are restored. Yes. How long. And so he's willing to pray. And that's what we find him doing in Daniel 9. He's praying. Okay, so here's your homework for this evening. Go back and read Daniel 9. And what you'll see is that when Daniel comes up against a passage of Scripture that was given to him that he cannot understand, he dedicates himself to prayer and Bible study to solve it. And he is patient. He's prepared to wait 10 years or more for that to be solved, for that problem to be solved. And praise God that he does solve it. And Gabriel does come back in chapter 9 and complete that vision.